0: The, uh, let's see, what are we calling it? The daily life of a God-first Christian. The daily life of a God-first Christian. And um, this is part two. Let me recap part one. Let's recap part one from last week. My uh, text scripture that I use, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole, everybody say spirit, spirit, soul, body. Body. All right, that's good. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's supposed to be our whole spirit, soul, and body that's supposed to be blameless. Blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is very quick from now. It's not going to be much longer. All right, now what most Christians do, most Christians say, in my heart, I'm right with God. It does not manifest in their soul, which is your emotion and your talk and the way you think and process, and it does not manifest in their bodies. And those are the areas that we say are off limits. You can't judge us. But what's wrong with that is is you have to look at the outward for confirmations of what could be deceived on the inward. Because if it's not coming out right, then it's not in there. You cannot keep saying that I am something that never shows up. It's impossible. You'll be judged on who you are on the inside, but thank God that stuff shows up on the outside so we can catch it, because if it only stays on the inside, who's going to catch you before judgment day? Nobody's going to catch it, right? So we, we can't just deal with our spirit. We have to make sure that the soul is blameless and the body is blameless. We do not just inspect our invisible parts. Well, invisibly, I'm right, so stay away, get rid of, you know, don't talk to me. I'm invisibly okay, okay? I can't deal with you like that. We're going to go around judging you by everybody in the spirit if we do stuff like that. Well, I read your spirit. Well, I read your spirit. Well, we, we read each other's spirits. We're both, you're wrong, I'm right. You can't do that. There has to be a little bit more evidence, so we're going to go crazy. It's easier to confirm an issue in your spirit when our soul and our bodies are examined and proven to be in line with our devotion to God. So it ought to show up in our emotion and our bodies. Your emotion and your bodies tell off on you. Your emotion and your body tells off on what's going wrong in your spirit. It, it definitely all starts in your spirit, but it shows up eventually in your soul, and it shows up in your, in your body. So our topic from last week, in my introduction, there's 24 hours in a day, and as Christians, what do we do with our 24 hours? Because that's our worship, that's our lifestyle. That's us going to heaven or hell. This is for real. And we dealt with your sleep last week. And you get about eight hours of sleep. Some of you all are probably laughing about that inside your heart. You're like, no, not me, not our house. Uh, I know it's hard, it, it's hard to get eight hours a, a night of sleep, but maybe on average you get eight. Let's just say maybe seven. That's a big part of your day, your 24 hours. It's a big part of your health. It's a big part of your soul. It, it literally has been tied to depression, not getting enough sleep. It's been tied to not having uh, your health right in your body. It's been tied, everybody knows it's been tied to your bad attitude. We all know that one. Nobody needs any Bible or science for that. You just need to be with somebody who stayed up all night. So, not getting the proper sleep affects us. It really does. I, you can pray, 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 but man, when you are tired, you're just a little cranky. That fruit is just not near as shiny. It's just small and dull. And so we need to get rest. Rest is a biblical concept. It's a God idea and God made us to rest. God did not make us to go 24-7 and never rest. It's not the will of God for us not to have good sleep. We studied last week that rest is biblical and it's a sign of being at peace. So if you cannot rest and you cannot sleep, you do not have peace. You don't have peace. And probably goes probably a double-edged sword probably goes both ways. If you don't get sleep, you don't have peace. If you don't have peace, you don't have sleep. You've got to get the two in your life, and you've got to let them work. Remember when Jesus slept in the storm? Because a part of us being able to sleep during tough times of life is having peace to sleep in the storm. But that's not what we do. We stress all night when we go through a storm. So guess what? The devil's always going to let you go through a storm. So that you'll never get rest and never have peace in your life. You'll never rebuild those cells. You'll never get your mind working again. Because you're always on a deficit of sleep. A couple more tips on sleep I missed last week. A routine helps a lot. It's just proven facts that people have done. We've lived. We've studied. But a routine, they say, makes it easier to go to sleep. They say try to go the same time every night. Your body gets used to it. I read something the other day that said when you get up in the morning, try to get sunlight on your face. Because your body releases certain uh, chemicals whenever the sun is acknowledged on the body and it starts this some kind of internal clock to where if you get up in the morning and get sun on your body now knows what time it is, it's time to start your morning. And that's an easier way for your body to know when it's tired at night. We have lived this one perfectly because when we wake up in the morning there is no windows where we are. So there is no sun and we don't have a clue. Our, sometimes our kids wake up on the weekends, and they still think it's nighttime. They have no clue. Is it morning? Is it night? Because when you don't have any sun, your body can't tell what's going on, right? So that's another fun fact. It probably is the way God made us, honestly. Don't you think that God could make us to need sun to start our clock, to know when we're tired the next, the, that night? I think it's cool how God made the body, Um, so making a list of your stressors whenever you're stressed out and you're laying in bed at night this is just common sense it's good stuff to do write down all the things you're stressed about that are keeping you awake because you can't fix them at one o'clock in the morning right so write them down I need to get this and write down everything you've been procrastinating and make a plan to fix it because it will pile up on you and you think you ain't sleeping good tonight with laundry and dishes just wait till the laundry dishes trash and oil change you need to stay on top of your life or you will never sleep So write down your list, prioritize it, and go to bed because you need to sleep to get the list done the next day. All right? Um, They say that you're supposed to dim the lights before bed. Try to get it dim in the room. Get yourself ready. That's probably back to that sunlight thing. Um, Also, they tell us that our devices, the blue light from our phones and screens, uh, does something to the body to make us feel like it's not nighttime. Once again, back to that light and the way the body recognizes light. Think about when God first made man. When the lights went down, the sun went down, that was pretty much it except for the little candle you had or whatever, uh, whatever flame you were burning, right? So humanity was used to from the beginning, unless you live in Alaska, having, having a, lot, a lot of balance between night and day. So there's a time to work and there's a time to sleep and rest. That's the way God made the world for the most part. And so those are some things that we're supposed to be careful of. Uh, Not eating a bunch of trash before bed because your body has to digest that. You're trying to sleep, trying to rest, and your body's working hard to digest what you just put into it. It can help you sleep better if you're not throwing pizza down at at 12 o'clock at night and then trying to get some sleep. I think if you're over the age of 30, you figured it out by now. When you were 16, you could do whatever you want and never miss a beat, sleep for 12 hours. But, man, there's a certain age you get till your body slaps you through the night and says, you're a dummy. You've got to fix this. So some of the stuff we just learned from getting older. Um, don't hold grudges. When you hold grudges, you can't sleep. And if you're in a marriage or you've got issues in relationships, it will cause you to not sleep good. So don't hold grudges, all right? It's not worth losing your sleep. Go ahead and forgive quickly. Don't let the sun go down your wrath and get stuff worked out as fast as you can because if you keep that in your spirit, it's hard to sleep. And guess what? Tomorrow when you meet with that person to talk to them, guess what? You didn't have sleep the night before and you're still cranky. So deal with it. Go to bed and rest and let the Lord fight your battles. Give God a chance to give you peace so you can wake up fresh tomorrow and figure it out Tomorrow. Have faith that things can get better tomorrow if we'll get rest tonight, right? I know it's hard to do, but that might help you. Coffee too late in the afternoon can keep you awake at night. It's funny how many times I've seen that in a news article. Breaking news, if you drink caffeine at night, it will keep you awake. That's it, that's it. That's what's wrong. <laughs> Why do we not know that already? Because we don't care. We love our coffee and we drink it anyway. And some of y'all, I don't know how you do it, but y'all can drink your coffee and y'all can go to sleep. I don't know how you do it. God made you different. But for me, I'll be up another 12 hours. And so I got to be careful with late night coffee. Um, So I hope those tips will help you because you need to get your rest. You need to get your rest. Don't forget that it's been tied. Health issues have been tied to not getting enough sleep, right? So you need to get enough rest. Your body rebuilds its cells when you're sleeping at night. So let's make sure we get sleep. This is a big part of our day. And how are we going to be effective Christians and ministers if we are frustrated and tired all the time? Right? Um, so we also dealt with our eating windows and our diets. And we kind of start off by saying you are what you eat. Uh, too many bad carbs, too many sugars is proven to hurt us. Um, we were not built to have access to everything. Once again, go back to when uh, we were in Bible days and we didn't have Walmart and we didn't have HEB, we didn't have Amazon. You, if you didn't grow it, if you didn't trade for it, you didn't need it. This whole thing about having every fruit in the world in your refrigerator is, is, a, is a new age thing, right? We have access to gallons of apple juice. Do you know how hard it would have been back in the day to get gallons of apple juice? You'd have to rob an orchard to get, to get a gallon of, of apple juice. Do you know how much sugar you're consuming in one cup of apple juice? But it's apples. It's like a thousand apples, <laughs> it's not just a couple So the things we do is we, we stuff ourselves with this kind of stuff And we don't realize the sugar high that we get onto because it's apple juice, right? And so we have to be careful because we consume so many sugars and so many bad carbs And it affects us, yes it does It's been linked to depression and people are like, let's pray And I'm like, well let's stop the sugar and pray why are we pray, Why are we jumping off cliffs praying for a rescue? Why do we do that? You know, we're sometimes the world's worst as Christians and people of faith. We are the kind of people that have so much faith that we'll literally pray over our pizza and be like, Lord, bless it to my body. We'll pray over our dessert, bless it to my body. Help me, Lord, let it turn to, to, to nutrients and proteins, right? But the Lord's sitting here going, what are you doing? I put a brain in your head. You know that ain't good for you. You're asking me to bless it? Yo, we, we will jump off cliffs and ask God to rescue us by faith. But you know, be wise. Let's do what's right and then ask God to help us. That really makes more sense. Why would I tell you about your health? Because if it's proven to be linked to, uh, to depression and you, you need to have joy, then we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it, right? It's affecting your spirit. Now, the spirit affects the soul and body very strong, most strong. But still, what you put in your body goes to your spirit. Because what you put in your body affects your soul. And what affects your soul affects your spirit. Now, a strong Holy Ghost power in you can fight back and win. But it still attacks your spirit. It makes it tough. Right? So, so body can affect spirit, but only a little. But still, why would we make it that di- more difficult on our spirit? Why do that to ourselves? It's just not wise. So we talked about that. Uh, we talked about uh, not emotionally eating because we deal with issues and stress. A lot of times, it's the only thing that we can do because we don't want to. We don't want to go take a drug instead. We'll just take food, and because we don't want to go punch someone, we'll eat a Snicker bar. And because we, I mean, we don't do this, we don't do that. So we're going to eat. And and sometimes as Christians, we think eating is the only thing we can get away. F- we get away with, but gluttony is actually something we have to be careful of, right? Saying amen helps because it's the truth tonight. And you're not saying amen makes it worse. Right? If it's the truth, it doesn't matter. Let's just say amen to it and we'll all figure it out maybe one day. We have to start preaching truth before we ever live truth. If we don't start preaching it, we never live it. Right? So it's okay to be a little uncomfortable because this is America and we all battle this. No matter what your size, we battle this. Okay? And we will need to be healthy because God's got a big calling on our lives, okay? So instead of emotionally eating, ask yourself why you want to eat the, the, the Twinkie or why you want to go grab some ice cream. What's making you want to eat it so much? What are you going through in life that's stressing you out so bad that you keep running in the fridge? Take it to prayer and be free because it's one of the ways we comfort ourselves. It is, and so let's be careful of that. We can fast because we're called to fast, And you get a twofold blessing. When you fast, if you have extra weight you want to get rid of, your body will begin to burn it. You don't eat that extra weight and you have a spiritual devotion to God. It's a double-edged sword. Fasting is powerful because fasting lets us easily get rid of weight that we don't want. It's good to reset our body and our mind. And it's a devotion to God to break down the flesh. Fasting is a powerful tool that we as Christians should use. And if you're having a hard time with your diet, go on a fast. Lettuce tastes a lot better after three days of not eating. I just can't eat lettuce. And go on a three-day fast, and you will eat any lettuce at H-E-B. You will eat any vegetable out there. Because y'all know stuff that you don't like starts getting real good looking when you're on a fast. Man, I could have me some, some lentils. I don't even know what that is. I could have me some of that. So... Um, Our diets will help with depression. Our diets help with sicknesses. And how much money have you spent on doctors because you're sick? People are like, I can't afford to eat healthy. It costs too much. Add up doctor bills. Right? That costs a lot. Add up a surgery. And how much time off of work you had to take? Yeah, it's better to have maintenance on ourselves than always rescue with American culture. Okay? So let's do this because it's wise, because it will make you happier. And it'll give you more ability and energy and and power to do what God has for you to do. It opens up doors for job opportunities, ministry opportunities, saves you money. Y'all, this is all wise and biblical and we're the people of wisdom. And so we should be doing what is right. Some of y'all are like, no, I'm not going to do it because this is that new age stuff. This is that yoga life. No, this is just us being smart. We, we kind of find all kinds of reasons not to do what's wise because somebody across town's doing it and they're like, oh no, we don't want to do that. Let's just do what's right and forget what everybody else does. I don't care who does it or doesn't do it. Let's do what we're called to do as Christians. We feel better when we eat better. It's a, it's a fact, y'all. Some people literally need to change their diet and they'll feel better. Okay, let's just do a, a, a raise your hand. Have you ever gone on a health food kick and you felt better? Raise your hand. But yet... We don't live that way. And I'm guilty of it too. So if you have depression, if you feel sluggish, if you feel like you're down but you're praying and you're reading your Bible, maybe do everything. Don't just be spirit and soul, but make sure your body's right because your spirit and soul is trapped in this body. It can't run from it. it can't escape from it. Um, health food doesn't have to be expensive. If you do the research and you look online, somebody has found a way for you to eat healthy and do it cheap. Trust me, there's about 10,000 poor folks out there that want to be healthy. And they are on the internet telling you how to cook meals that are healthy. It's just an excuse when you say, I cannot afford to, and it doesn't taste good. It's not true. You can afford to. You can find things that taste good. And a lot of our foods are acquired taste. When you're off of salt for a while, you don't want salt as much. When you're off of sugar for a while, you don't want sugar as much. Your body begins to adapting it used to eating healthy. So it's going to be tough in the beginning, but it will get easier and you'll be happier. You know what hurts us a lot of times in our diet? It's snacking. It's grabbing that snack when you went to get gas. You went to get gas, not gas and a snicker bar and a Route 44 drink. Right? So you know what hurts us the most is snacking. And it's a scientific fact that every time you snack, you set your body off to store fat. So when you're snacking through the day, your body is always in storage mode. The only way to get your body out of storage mode into burn mode is to not eat. So as you keep snacking all day because you say, I need some energy, when really you're just, you're just bored and you want something to do, your body's always gaining weight, it's never burning right? That's why there needs to be eating windows where you're burning and then you're getting your fuel for the day and you're burning. I know it's not comfortable, but it's, it's the healthy way to do it. Um, so more active, uh, you need to have more calories. So if your job is mowing yards all day with a push mower, you need a lot of calories. Uh, guys like Chris can't gain weight if he tried. Um, he's on a roof, he's framing, he's sweating all day in the heat, and he could probably eat whatever he wants and he just never gains weight. But if you're sitting at a computer all day, you, if, you, if you throw down 3,000 calories sitting at a computer all day, it, you're going you're to know it, you're going to feel it. And if, if you're not burning it, then you're packing it, right? So you eat for fuel. You don't eat for fun. You eat for fuel. So what happens in American culture is is the majority of people no longer work physically, but they eat a lot. Because what do we have? We have less physical labor and a whole lot of food. But back in the Bible days, they could pig out on organic food because they were walking everywhere they went. And we drive everywhere, and we're eating while we drive. <laughs> Cruise control in the Tesla, Brother Castle, and we've got autopilot on, and we're eating. That's right, Brother Castle, I know you got a Tesla, and you've got autopilot on, he's eating his... We're eating Snicker bars, and we're just like, go home. And Tesla drives home, we're eating hamburgers, and he probably doesn't do it. But people do it. You do it. Without a Tesla, you do it. You do it, and you shouldn't be doing it. It's dangerous. You're texting, you're eating. So we, we won't burn calories, and we still eat, right? So we eat to live. We don't live to eat, okay? Food's like, a, like money. It's a tool that we're in control of, Right? it's a tool. And then lastly, we use our meal times for social time. If you're going to sit down and eat for 30 minutes, invite a buddy from a coworker, worker uh, sit down with them at Subway and talk to them, get to know them, because people are a lot more friendly over a meal. That's why Jesus did the last supper at a meal. <laughs> He's like, now y'all trying to kill me. Hey, who wants some bread? Okay. Who wants some bread? <laughs> not tonight, not right now. Wait. You know? So whenever you have food, it, it breaks down a lot of those barriers because you're socializing, you're, you're, you're filling yourself up. Everybody's happy, you're right. They bring more wine. And so everybody's having a good time. And so whenever you eat, whenever you're drinking, having a good time, uh, you know, drinking juice, of course, y'all know that. When you're drinking the grape juice uh, and you're eating that bread uh, and you're having a good time, then guess what? Everyone's happy. And your fellowship you're fellowshipping and having a good time. You alright, sweetheart? <laughs> my wife's a little distracting tonight. She's all right. So uh, let's 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 go on to the next one. That was my long recap. 15, 20-minute recap. Next is daily exercise. Should we do it or not as Christians? First Timothy 4 and 7, but reject. Profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. So there's the word exercise in the Bible talking about spiritual exercise. But then he says in verse 8, for bodily exercise profits a little. It doesn't say for bodily exercise profits none, it says it profits a little. So we say, because it says it profits a little, we shouldn't do it. That's like saying, working a job gives you a little bit of riches. Doesn't mean you don't do it. You know? A little, a little of a good thing helps. But what, in context, what it's saying is, if you're going to spend all your time on your physical body, which will burn, but not on your spiritual man then it's not wise because there are many people that work out their body but it's actually not that beneficial compared to their spirit. So we as Christians like to say, good, because I don't like exercise. I'm just going to go exercise in prayer tonight. But I ain't about to touch no treadmill. I ain't lifting no weights because we use this scripture out of context to try to act like we shouldn't exercise physically because we're supposed to pray and exercise spiritually, right? But that's not the, the context is, is a little exercise is good in the physical, because we are still body, soul, spirit. But if you're going to spend most of your energy on something, spend it on your spirit man. Put most of your time into your spirit man. That does not mean neglect your body, but that's what a lot of Christians have said, or maybe a lot of high faith Christians have said. So, uh, in biblical times, people mainly walked everywhere they went. Their food was organic, and there were less uh, Snicker bars and Twinkies at the local donkey filling station. So we are surrounded by everything we don't need every day. In fact, sometimes the junk food is the cheapest food, and we drive everywhere. But in their day, the reason why they probably had less health complications because they walked everywhere. They worked a lot more physical labor, they ate organic foods, and they had very little access to sugar. Think of it, they're, they're growing their food, y'all, they're not, they're not growing Twinkies, okay? They're growing stuff out of the ground. If you went on a diet where you ate only things that grew out of the ground or animals, it would change your life. In fact, that was, that's called the paleo diet that they put me on, my neurologist did, about a year ago. They wanted me to do it for six months. And basically, it's eating like a caveman, or you could say eating like 4,000 years ago. Eating before the machine showed up. Eating from the ground. Eating from nature. It's very hard to get your hands on that much sugar cane. Right? But we have access to it, and we flood our system with it, and we're sick. And we say, but it's just normal life. No, it's not normal life. It's actually manufactured life. It's not the way God Created us to eat. This is all the truth, okay? So exercise can be very helpful. Exercise definitely was a thing in the Bible because it says exercise profits the body a little bit, but it wasn't a big part of society like today is. Why is today such a big deal? Because we are behind computers. We need to move. The body was built to move. The body was built to be used and to work, not sit behind a computer. The technological age has made everything harder, not easier. Why is everything harder? Because as we depend on AI and robots and stuff to bring everything to us, we just get turned into slobs sitting in big chairs on video games. It doesn't make us, our life better. It makes us weaker. Because we depend on things to give us everything right now. And we don't have to work for anything. We don't lift anything. We don't have. To, we get hurt lifting little boxes. Because we're not used to lifting. We're not used to doing hard things anymore. And this is not helping us. This is making us weaker. So why is exercise, why should you might not consider exercise? Because exercise is how God built you as a human. You were built to be active, not sit around. And if you are not active, it would be probably good for you to consider a little bit of a daily routine of some exercise. Why? Because you want to counteract sitting behind a desk all day, which you were not created to do. And so you have to figure that out. I can't help you with that. I'm not your coach. But exercise can benefit you. Why would we want to promote exercise from a Christian standpoint? Because it's scientifically proven, and I've done it myself, that you feel better when you exercise. It's actually, once again, linked to help you with depression. Our bodies were built to be used, y'all. Literally, when you exercise, it releases chemicals in your body to make you feel good. Why, Why am I preaching this? Is this new age science? No, this is the way God made us. Science doesn't change us. Science reveals the way our God designed us. Our God designed us to be moving and not sit around. We're active people. So you might want to just pray and consider about having some type of of exercise in your your life. Um, Maybe 30 minutes a day. Maybe every other day. Maybe you can do it with people in your family and have some social time. Maybe you could walk with someone on your block and you could witness to them every day. What could we do if we would think outside the box? I don't believe you need to pay to go to a gym. I don't think you need to. Especially these days. Some of you haven't been to the gym? Okay. But especially these days, do you really think it wise that we would go to a place where all of the all of the ladies are dressed in yoga pants and is that a great location for a bunch of apostolic christian men? No. I mean just you have to answer that for some of y'all said no. Thank you. Uh, but you've got everyone's got to answer that for yourselves. I've been to gyms. I've done it. It's very distracting for me mentally. You know what I have to do the whole time I'm lifting weights? Don't look. Nope. You are a child of God? Nope. Oh pastor, what's wrong with you? I thought you had the Holy Ghost. I'm still a man with the Holy Ghost. You know what? My Holy Ghost says don't look. My flesh says look. So the whole time I'm working out, don't look. The Holy Ghost is saying don't look. I'd rather just not go places where the Holy Ghost has to slap me the whole time saying don't look. When my family goes to the beach, we try to find a place away from everybody in bikinis. Could I handle it? Probably I could pray enough and fast enough and, and, and be all right. But I don't want to. I want to eat something. All right? I want to eat some pizza, all right? Do I want to make it that tough? No. 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 So I don't think you need to go to a gym. I think that if you wanted to do a little exercise, it's easy enough to do it at your home. Because we don't need to have a full gym to do what we need to do. Right? We don't need that. And so you have to pray about that, consider that. I'm not going to get up here and just try to preach a conviction on you. I just think there's things that could be wise. Maybe there's certain gyms that are better than others. You have to decide that. But just keep in mind, why would we do it if we don't have to do it? If a little bit of cardio, maybe a few, some push-ups and some stuff at home, even even stuff like yoga where you use your own body mass to be able to resist, to create uh, uh, strength and stuff, you could probably get a lot of that done and never have to pay a dime and never leave your home. Right, and so consider that. Maybe do it as a family. Maybe uh, do some things like that. But maybe you don't have to go to a gym, and maybe it wouldn't be wise for you to go to a gym. Um, so some recommend not to do too much exercise right before bed because it can get you your heart rate going, and might keep you. I keep getting a phone call from somebody I don't know who it is, but I'm putting my phone on airplane mode is what I'll do. Um, so. As Christians, we are not trying to build our physique up to impress other people. Right? The Bible actually says that one of the manifestations of the flesh is for us to try to appear sexual to people. And that's actually a manifestation of the flesh. That's not a Christian attribute. Trying to be sexy is not a Christian attribute. Male or female. Right? So if you're going to work out, here's here's my advice. You're working out for strength. Because there's some reason you need to work out. Maybe you lift in your job. Maybe you're trying to keep your muscles strong so you live longer. But it's not to have a physique that impresses people, especially if you're married, right? If you're married, who are you trying to impress except for your spouse? So that sounds like a personal conversation between you and your spouse and what they want or what you want. But you trying to impress everybody to get ahead in life so that you can make everything about you curve. There's a line you can cross where you're no longer attempting to be healthy. You're trying to use it for a job promotion. You're trying to use it to get ahead in life. And, and guess what, y'all? We believe in modesty, right? So what's the point of being ripped if no one will ever see you? You know, I would love to do like a before and after of like me in a full suit before I worked out. And then like six months later, like just tear tear it up. And then me in the same suit. And be like, look. And people will be like, what happened? I'm like, exactly. What a waste. Like I said, talk talk to your spouse about that one. Let me finish my notes here because I don't want to miss anything here. So we cover our bodies up anyway. So our goal for working out would be to be healthy, right? And to build muscles, great. Muscle is very useful, especially in certain lines of work. And muscle, it's good for you to have muscle. But then you can try to be this bulk, you know, heavy lifter person where you're really trying to impress people. And, and you know, here's the temptation to having a nice body, the temptation to show it off. I have seen so many Christian people start to work out and their clothes get tighter, Not because their muscles are bigger, but because they need to show off all their investments. Nobody ever went and got just ripped and just wore a bunch of big baggy clothes. T-shirts always get small and tight. What's up? Oh, sorry, I can't afford a new shirt. I'm just, you know, I'm ripped. T-shirts are $5. You can afford a new shirt. You can get a bigger size. That's the danger of working out. Is you feel the need to show. Look, here's my here's my opinion. The more you work out, the more you need to cover up. You need to protect yourself from all that comes with that, that lifestyle, right? So cover it up. Just like we tell the ladies to cover up, men need to cover up if they're going to go out and just lift all the time, because you, you're not trying to draw attention to yourself, right? We good so far? All right, good. Well, people that have walked out have come back. That's good so far. So. <laughs> Some of them, like, pinch their kid, like, hurry, cry. I'm going to get out of here. Oh, kid's crying. <laughs> <laughs> our bodies are only for our spouse or for our future spouse. Amen. That's it. Those are the only people you're trying to impress. So then they should have the most say over your physique. Um. If your spouse is happy with you and you're healthy, then that's probably the best plan. If your spouse is happy with you, because they have a say-so over your body. This is stuff you never hear talked about in church, but I'm going to talk about it. These two shall be one flesh. Don't you tell me what you're going to do with my body. It's my body. No, the Bible says. Paul said. No, 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 no. Paul said, no, y'all, y'all enjoy each other. Do you still, in, I think, have we made the point? Can I move on? Are we good? Talk to your spouse and make a private conversation. Because it's not right that you will not ask your spouse about your body. It mattered when you were 20. It might still matter. Okay? Yeah, we're good. I think you got me. All right. Exercise helps depression, so maybe we should be more active. Maybe you should do some walking, so just could get her steps in. And uh, she's notoriously famous for getting her steps in, and apparently it works. All right. My next section before we dismiss is personal time. So you have time where you sleep, you have time where you uh, are eating, but then you have time when you have personal time. When not sleeping, when not eating, when not working, you've got free time to do whatever you, I would say, want, but a lot of times it's what you need to do. And this looks different to everybody, so you're all different, you're all different lives. Those with a longer work day, you have less time left over in the day because you work so much. Some of you have more time left over in the day, okay? Families with kids are busier than those who are just married or those who are single. It's a fact. So if you are single, you have more time. Therefore, in my opinion, I believe you should be more busy in the kingdom. That's my opinion. I feel like if you're single, you have a blessing on your life. Enjoy it and use it while you can because God might have someone for you in the next year. So take advantage of your singleness because God can use you as a powerful tool in the, in the kingdom of God. So if you, are, if you have children, if you're married, you're busier. The Bible says you have to care for those in your family, so you're going to be very busy. If you're retired, you have a lot of free time, sometimes too much from what I hear retired people say. Most people have around four hours each weekday, I'm guessing, available to do whatever they need to do outside of their occupation, unless your occupation is a housewife, (laughs) then you get no time off. If meals are done and you're done with your, your sleep, you got your meals out of the way, then you got your work done then you get to go to like go to the park you get to read a book you get to maybe go repair something on the house fix something on the car you get to go get some shopping done or get some groceries visit with a friend many people do not take advantage of their personal time and their off days to stay caught up and they always live behind and here's why i want to get get spiritual with it because you Are right now probably in this service and the chances are while I've been preaching you've been thinking of things on the outside that you might have to do you may have already thought I got up early in the morning you may have already thought I'm behind on this payment and because when you get still in church you begin to think about things because when you're busy all the time you're you you can't think but when you come to church that's why some of y'all get tired because you finally rest you're finally still you're finally thinking And a lot of times, you'll begin to think of everything you're behind on. And this becomes a distraction and a tool of the enemy. The enemy should never, ever be able to get us in a stuck place where we're always the slave of something. That's not healthy for us, y'all. This stuff attacks our spirit. Bodily things, soul things attack our spirit. Some of this stuff's not even devils. It's just bad choices we make. We didn't change the oil in the car, and the engine blew up. And we're like, God, where were you? And God's like, it's been 20,000 miles. It's a Hyundai, friend. Come on. Be nice to it. You're right. You've got to take care of stuff, or it will break, no matter how much you pray or how much ties you paid. You've got to, to take care of stuff and you've got to prioritize life because it will pile up on you and drown you. And you'll be mad at God. And God's like, it wasn't me. It was you. We blame it for everything. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, I usually am dealing with situations that really are a, are a bunch of things that have just swallowed you up. It's never just one thing in your life you're battling. It's always the place you're in in life. Most people can handle one fight. But here's the problem I've seen in church folks. Is they can't take the one fight holding on all the other fights. Devil comes up against you and you've got bill problems, relation problems, family problems. You've got a leak in the roof. And then on top of that you're going to try to have yourself a prayer life and fast and fight the devils and, and all the people in the world. You have let so much come in. You've got so many holes in your bucket that putting water in. It's, it's pointless, and it frustrates you, and it makes you angry and mad, and this is why I want to talk about it, because I care about you. I want you to get your life in order and in control. We have got to, listen to this, we have got to master the simple life in this crazy world. Anybody else been feeling that, that call to the simple life? You know what you're feeling? You're feeling like this is not the way to live. And a lot of you are thinking about trying to get on the outskirts of the city because the city life does not let you have the simple life. And you've all been tempted to find yourself a simple life. But you know what? No matter where you live right now, no matter where you're at, no matter what your address, you can have a simple life in an apartment downtown Austin. You can do it. You can strip away everything that you don't need in your life that is not important, that's not a priority, and you can say God is first uh, and everything else is second. Uh, I am done being under the slavery of all the stuff in my life. So we have got to master a simple life with the basics of life organized before we add on the non-necessities of life. We have to. You know what you could be doing? If you could get your life under control and order, you could be teaching a weekly Bible study one night a week, every single week. You could be ministering to a soul. But we're too busy. We're behind. We're frustrated. Life is crazy. Because we refuse to plug the holes in the bucket. Because it doesn't feel very spiritual to plug the holes in the bucket. Yep. You know what, I, I had a word from the Lord while we were worshiping. The Lord said, I know we do altar calls, but when would when we do life calls? Because we always call people to the front to pray, but they never want to leave and go fill the holes in the bucket. You cannot fill the holes in the bucket right here. You've got to leave this place, get out there and balance your checkbook. And if you've got to talk in tongues while you do it, then go do it. But you've got to find a way to get your life right. Because if you don't, you're wasting the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost shows up in your diet, and your budget, and your friendships, and your marriage. It shows up every day. It shows up in every hour of the 24 hours. You can't just have an altar call. You need a call to go do life differently. We've got to get our lives right. And that's why a lot of people are getting tired of church. We're tired of church because in church things don't change in the real world. That's because in church we don't listen and go change them. You've got to walk out of this room and change things. It's easy to preach and you say amen and we all feel good. It's hard to get out of here and go make a change. Cut something out of my life. That's what's difficult. We've got to do that. For your own good, we have to. You can learn uh, a new trade with your extra time if you would get ahead of things. You, you could have people over and socialize more if you, could, if you could get your life in order. Many of us try to have everything, and we're miserable because we can't, we can't have everything. Y'all, the billboards, all the ads, just stop. Stop. Get free of all the stuff. The rat race, you don't need all that stuff. We've got storage buildings and storage buildings. Our garages, our cars are not in them. Stuff is in them. Most people, stuff is in their car. Yeah. Yeah. We can be wasting our time binge-watching TV and movies that are all trash these days. The cooking channel tries to get you. I wanted to do an accent, but I stopped right there. (laughs) Let's just do one a month. I did one uh, Sunday, so. About the rock. Remember that? We waste so much time on our phones. We waste so much time just going through our phones. Think of the hour and the time we could be learning a new language, learning a new trade, an instrument in church, learning how to preach, how to be a minister. We waste so much time because we're always just so stressed when we get home. Why are you stressed so much when you get home? Change it. You've got one life to live. You do not need to waste your life being stressed every single day of your life just coming home and laying on the couch saying, I'm just dying. You're a child of the King. That is not the will of God for your life. It's so much more than money. Yes. Personal time is time at home. and This is my last section. Your home needs to be a place of peace. And it doesn't matter what you live in if the people you live with are crazy. I am convinced it's not about the type of house you live in. We've we've lived in everything, and our next one's going to be the best one ever. And we're thankful for that. We've lived in small, we've lived in RVs, we've lived in it all. It is not the home you live in. It's the people you're with. thousand percent if you don't or if you're not around the right people when you lay your head down at night there's no peace in your home and and I know we're living in an hour church family where people don't have money and they're all stuck with each other nine times out of ten you'd leave if you could but you can't afford to get out so you're trapped with people you don't want to be with you need them you pretend that you do And you have no peace and you have no rest. Can I encourage you? If you're going to spend those four or five hours every day the rest of your life, spend them in a place of peace. Because you can't do it at work. And when you're sleeping, you don't remember what happened. (laughs) You've got about five, six hours plus your weekends to have peace. Where will you spend those most precious hours? I hope to God you've got your own place. And whatever it takes for you to get your own place, you need a sanctuary that you can raise your kids in. A sanctuary for your marriage. A sanctuary away from all the other negative voices and spirits. So whatever it costs you, whatever it takes, work night and day, but get you a place. Small is fine. Broken, fine. You can fix it up. In fact, you, can, you need to go buy yourself a fixer-upper anyway. Because then you can work on it as a family hobby. You can paint it and have fun together, and you can flip it like I did and build something even better. You need to learn how to start small and work for it. It's not about that. It's about peace in your house. Everybody's like, it's so expensive here. Small stuff's cheaper. Well, I need a lot of space. No, you don't. You've got to start somewhere, church family. You can't have something nice until you've already endured the small and you flipped it and endured the small and flipped it. You've got to go through a process, but have peace. In an apartment complex, have peace. In in an RV, have peace. In a home, have peace. Wherever you're at, make sure your family has peace. It's not worth it. Get on the offense. Get a peaceful place to live as soon as possible. My wife and I are here to help you. We can give you financial advice. We can help you get on a budget, whatever you want. There's other people in the church that can help you too, but you need to have peace. You need to do it. Let me finish my notes and we'll close. Choose a home that, that is, well, first, stop wasting money on expensive rent when you can drive 20 miles down the road and you can save 500 bucks a month. I, I, I know of people that are blowing way too much money on two-bedroom apartments where the gunshots go off every night. I, I'm sorry, y'all. Drive 20 minutes. Get out of that place. You, you, it's not worth it. To save five minutes on traffic, not worth it. I'd rather be in my car praying with a 30-minute commute to, than, than, than living in a place of hell all the time. Yep. So whatever it takes, go, if you've got to rent, then go rent somewhere where it's cheaper. Rent somewhere where it's a little, little nicer, a little bit more quiet. Maybe instead of an apartment, get you a townhome so you don't have somebody above you, you know, smoking weed and you, you're breathing in and it's stomping on top of your head all night. Maybe just find a place where you can pray. Find a place where you can actually have some quiet time. You deserve that. When you pick a house, choose a place that's close to work and close to church so you can reduce your travel time. Change your job if you need to because you need peace. There's a lot of money to be made in Austin, Texas. And if you ain't making it your job, maybe it's time to change. Well, I'm stuck at my job. You're making $20 an hour. You're not stuck making $20 an hour. You can make $20 an hour anywhere. You need peace. You need to be connected to the kingdom. There's a lot of options, and a lot of places for you to move to. Why would you endure everything you're enduring? It is not worth saving a little money, living with someone that does not have peace and their spirit. Find a way. Save the money. Get something cheap somewhere, but get yourself some peace. Don't lose your soul. Don't lose everything over that. It's not worth it. If you pick a job far away, then you'll be tired after going home. And I'm telling you, you will not want to go home after traffic and come back to church on Wednesday night. Everybody says, no, I'll do it. Yeah, for three months. And then it starts to wear on you. It does. It gets tough. So, when you get the chance to pick, pray, God, give me a job by my church and a house close by within a certain distance drive so that you can have better drive times, so that you can peace, whether renting, whether buying, whether getting an RV on some land somewhere, think about it because you deserve to have peace in your life. Do not waste your most prized hours of the day. Don't waste them. The most prized hours of your day, every night, with your family. Not having peace. It's not worth it, y'all. Rather live somewhere, I'd rather live in an R V, rather live somewhere cheap, rather be in an apartment somewhere than be stuck with family members that hate my guts or hate Jesus and it's just crazy in there. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you for enduring tonight's strong teaching. I hope that it hope it challenges you and I hope that the, the, the altar call tonight can be out the doors and not to the front. Because we've got things to go change. And I want to see peace come in your lives. I want to see your, your checkbooks balanced. I want to see you healthy and happy. Whatever you think healthy is. Whatever you think that is. We are the Christian people. Let me make one more statement. In the last days, we have got to strip everything down away from us that we do not need. Because they will threaten those things against us. You understand that? They'll threaten our favorite foods. They'll threaten our entertainments. They'll threaten all of our comforts. If we are addicted to the things of the world, they will become powers over us. So you know what? We're prophetic people. We know not to get attached to the things of the world because we know that the things of the world can be weaponized against us. So it's time for the wise people of God to simplify their life down to where you're having quality family time, where you're having peace in your home, that you're not spending all your life fighting through traffic, And you're involved in the kingdom because nothing brings more peace than being involved with your family in the kingdom. Newsflash, family time that's not with the kingdom is not family time. Not quality family time. Your family does not need just you to make memories. Your family needs to be raised in the church. Because when you're long gone and you're dead, your kids will remember. Mom and dad said the church is number one. And when we're gone, we want our kids... To love the church. Amen. I love you. I appreciate you all so much as a church family. My wife and I are here for you. If you ever have questions about finances, we're behind you. We want to see you succeed. Anything, health. We we've dabbled in it all. And we, we want you to know we're behind you. We love you. We're praying for you. All of you, you're gonna do it. You're gonna make it. I believe in every one of you in Jesus' name. You can do this. Everybody say I can do it in the name of Jesus. All right, it's life call. Let's get out those doors and go do it. Shake hands, be friendly, greet our guests, and we'll see you this weekend. Revival in the name.